episode of the Green and Gold Rugby Show. If you're listening to us as a, one of our regular podcast listeners via iTunes or SignCloud or whatever, or maybe you're listening to us as part of Eon Sports Radio. Either way, we're thrilled to have you here for another hour of rugby chat, everything about Australian rugby. And if you like that chat, we encourage you to check out our website at greenandgoldrugby.com. So I'll be your host for the show tonight. You can call me Rugby Reg for joining me tonight. Once again, are two of the finest rugby brains we can afford on our very limited budget and available at this very limited window of time. We've got Matt Rowley. How are you, Matt? Mate, I'm, 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 I'm good. I'm feeling good because the weight of expectations off my shoulders, you know, the Waratahs not having to hold up Australia's <laughs> super rugby hopes again this year. So I can sit back and relax and um, watch us play no part in the finals. This, this is what it's like to be a Force fan, isn't it? Just sit back and watch the finals with no... <laughs> oh, mate, you're always mending those bridges. <laughs> um, and we should also mention our other uh, 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 rugby host tonight, Hugh Cavill. How are you going, Hugh? Oh, I'm good, and I'm, I'm, I concur with Matt. I mean, I think this is better. I mean, I don't want to win. I mean, the Kiwis can have their victory. They can have their stress of the finals. You know, they can have those nail-biting grand final finishes because, you know what? I think better without them. My life's better. Yeah. You know, don't need, don't need it at all. And injuries, shall we tell you? Dane Coles, oh. the, the, the hooker, look. Yeah, ba- exactly other exactly weekend, right. Please. Deal me out of it. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to get stuck into it, our regular format. We've got our five burning questions. Uh, burning in particular uh, as uh, in respect to one of our questions coming up. We're also going to cover our the rest of our nude not 15. So we started with the back line last week. We're going to cover off on probably just the back row tonight, or maybe the front row. We'll start with the front row, where the real uh, brains of the format are. Um, but, guys, I wanted to start... You may not have known this, and, and some of our listeners will not have, but it's National Rugby Week, apparently, which is effectively a promotion by the ARU to try and get across the schools. But, guys, if we were serious about this, if this was really the National Week of Rugby across Australia, what would that look like in your ultimate fantasy, Hugh? And let's use fantasy in the loosest possible terms. <laughs> well, yeah, I was having a think about this, and there's a few promotions, but I actually think the most effective... Um, promotion for the game um, would be a, 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 um, a, a nationally televised across all networks at, at a probably 7.30 on on maybe Wednesday night. Um, all networks uh, everywhere. The um, Probably the 2001 Bledisloe. I was thinking that, um, either that either we get the John Eels kick or maybe the one from 2000 and um, I think it was 2001, the Totai Kefu try. Um, it, one of those two Bledisloes. I'm happy with whichever one. And that is simulcast across the nation on radio, on on TV, and, and everyone can sit down and watch it. And it can be our National Rugby Week ritual every year. Exactly. That's like going to a church, midnight mass before Christmas. I love this one. I'm going to build on that in a second. In a second, But, Matt, I'm going to go throw to you next. Well, I'm just disappointed with um, Hugh's lack of vision there. I mean, here we are in a political climate now uh, where fascism is back. Um, I feel there's a lot more we could achieve. And so I would basically, I'd go with my um, outlawing, let's say, of AFL to start with. Um, and you, this is a, <laughs> this yeah, will go over so well. You've bore, I think, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but I'm going to take it a step further, and I'm actually going to make it a crime against the state. And um, oh, I'm going to say we're going to build, build a wall down in, <laughs> in Victoria. <laughs> now, I'm going to make it a crime against the state, and we're going to start some show trials. Um, and uh, get a few of those big names up there. I, I can't even name who those guys are. Who's the good... Uh, is it... Uh, Lock, no, what's his name? Lachlan, someone or other? The guy... Le- 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 hey? Oh, who... One of the players? Or Buddy the Franklin. No, no, the guy who runs the bloody AFL. Um, Gil McLaughlin. Oh, Gil yeah, McLaughlin. Yeah, like, get him up there, show trial. Um, you know, break him. Get him to admit... Um, just how wrong he was to be running this code that's been destroying Australia's rugby future um, and basically have him trotted off and probably executed or something like that. But that for me, I mean, I, you know, I don't know if that's asking too much, but I feel like these days of Trump, um, you know, we should be aiming for the stars. you got to well, start that, somewhere. Mm. Well, I think that sums up the difference between Matt and me on this podcast. I'm, I'm going for more TV, you know, win the hearts and minds, and Matt's going straight murder. I mean, <laughs> you know, each to their own, I suppose. It's like the purge. You've got 24 hours to go out and get rid of many, as many AFL ad- administrators as possible. Well, it's um, look, I want to build on yours, Hugh. I like that idea. I thought, And this is what I thought where you, I thought you were going. What about a rugby um, uh, telethon, 
mate. We're hosted by Daryl Summers. We'll get all Joe Beth Taylor and all the, the crew back together and, and just, what, a long seven hours of entertainment where you can ring <laughs> up and speak to celebrities and Australian rugby players, and we're all raising funds for Australian rugby. Just to go back into our slush pond to, to perhaps buy some of the players we may talk about a bit later on. Mm. That's a I great like, idea. I like it. It's not stuck in the 80s at all. <laughs> that's, that's why I've got Daryl there. Yeah. <laughs> All well, right. We, so we, we could talk. I mean, National Rugby League, Reg. I yeah. mean, I was reading the summary of it today. It does, you know, it, there's, they're saying they're hitting 800 schools around Australia. So, I mean, I'm not sure what level of what level of curriculum or you know how extensive it is in those 800 schools. But um, it, it can only be a good thing. And they're using the Olympics as a bit of a hook, I think, as well with the sevens, um, which has obviously that male and female element. So hopefully. Hopefully, um, getting a, getting a new breed of, of, of students, and hopefully, um, we've got the got the Wallabies um, out there as well. Hope I'm not sure they are, but let's hope we get some big names in the schools to help it out because that that um, would be a good thing. Well, they've got some time on their hands, so let's help hope they're out there in the schools uh, at the moment, which is great. Great initiative, for you. Let's uh, let's hope it pays dividends. But we're going to start speaking about our five burning questions, and I'll run through them quickly for you. Uh, number one, say okay. Finals have gone. Who do we think is going to win the Super Rugby comp, comp given uh, last week's form? Question two, should the ARU or the Tyres be signing Jared Hayne? Mick Byrne, the uh, former AFL player, some of our Melbourne listeners may know him. He's just been signed by the ARU as our skill coach. Is he the Messiah? Uh, Steve Larkham is coaching job, uh, coaching career at the Brumbies. is up in the air at the moment. He's got to decide in a couple of weeks. Should he stay at the Brumbies or should he go to the, uh, to the Wallabies? And finally, Nick Stiles has been appointed Reds coach uh, after a worldwide search, apparently. Really a worldwide search, or was that just jobs for the boys? Um, let's start with question one. Hugh, why don't I go for you for this one? Question one, who's going to win the Super Rugby comp, given yeah. last weekend's uh, performance? analysis here, mate, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, this is a stitch-up. Um, <laughs> look, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you, Reg, as, 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 as you may be aware, I, I spent... The weekend in a place without Foxtel, and, and I, I caught, admittedly, the last 10 minutes of the Brumbies game while I was out having dinner. But um, other than that, have didn't see a minute of the finals. And, and to be honest, I probably won't see a, a, a minute more. Um, I, I don't really care. And um, <laughs> it's probably going to be a New Zealand team, probably the Chiefs or the Hurricanes. Uh, Highlanders would be pretty good too. But, um, yeah, look, I, I've kind of checked out a little bit of Super Rugby at the moment. I'm, um, uh, yeah, look, I might, I might watch the Kiwi... Um, the Kiwi Derby, um, but I wouldn't be able to tell you where it is or when it is. Um, and, yeah, look, one of the Kiwi teams will win it, and, and good luck to them. But um, I, I can't say I'm going to be following too closely from this point onwards. Good work really going out on a limb with that one. One of the Kiwis teams will win it. That it's three <laughs> Kiwi teams and there's final four teams. So Yeah, we well, look, that, it's, the in-depth, it's the in-depth analysis that people pay so much money for on this podcast. Well, so, look, well can I just uh, say that, you know, you've managed to come, you know, out of the four teams, you've managed to... S- select the wrong three um, because <laughs> I, I, seriously coming into this I really do think the Lions are in with a massive Mate, ma- massive shout I'm with you I'm with you I was going to say the Lions too talk us through it Gags why well that mate they are my feel good team of having watched all they are? two of their games um, but um, <laughs> bloody hell they're good I mean you, you know you, you look at um, their 15 you know when they do the run through the team before and I'm like who who the bloody hell is that? You know, you, you, there's no one in that team. Uh, Elton Yanchi's, I guess, the number 10. I've kind of heard of one or two others, but it's a big team of no-names. Bloody hell, they pull together and play well. And they're so good at so many of, um, you know, they just seem supremely well coached. Um, they play really hard and flat in the game line. They can they can run the ball. They've got a great kicking game if they need to switch it up. And obviously, when they're at altitude, they, they'll make that pay where they need to. They've got a good scrum, which was ditching up. Uh, dishing up the Crusaders. I mean, it was just an all-round, just fantastic effort, um, and they and they've been sticking points on people everywhere. I just, I was just blown away to watch them. And there's a number of players in there. You think, well, they're going to have to make them Springboks. Um, there's this guy uh, Yatso van Rensburg, who's this 12, and he's kind of the sort of stocky sort of 12, like a, like I guess a Timmy Horan was. He, 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 no one can put the guy down. He was just running through the Crusaders almost at will, just bouncing off props and back rows and everything. He was just unbelievable. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, they really dished up the Crusaders 40 to 20 something, I think it was, or 40 to 20 or something like that. And they deserved every point, I thought, Rich. Mate, I'm with you. I'll tell you who they're like. They are like, bring it back to the Reds, the 2011 Queensland Reds. I just think they are playing with, they've got this confidence in their style that just makes it so much fun to watch. And yeah, you talk about Janchi's at 10, but what about Faf de Klerk at 9 inside him? He's just a little dynamo. And we saw him for a few times for the box versus Ireland. But that combination, they just they just get me like Guinea and Cooper did back in 2011. And, you know, the running in the backs and, and those uh, that big physical forward pack as well. Mate, I'm with you. I think they can do it. And they, they made the Crusaders look pretty average pretty quickly uh, on uh, late Sunday, uh, Saturday night, early Sunday morning, mm. um, and ran away convincing winners. And, and the benefit is they get to host again this weekend. So they, they're they uh, hosting the Highlanders who had that tough encounter against the Brumbies. So big shot for them. Well, yeah, I mean, the last time the Highlanders were over there, the Lions beat them. Um, so I think this is last year. Um, so I think the Lions lost to the Highlanders, but down in um, Dunedin. So um, this year, I mean, look, you know, I think they've got that They've got that advantage over there. They're playing fantastic rugby. I think they can mix it up. So whereas the Highlanders just like to play that kick game, if they do that against these guys, I think they'll have their hands full because they've, you know, um, the Lions have got a, a good kicking game on them as well. I just think they're going to be fantastic. And when you've got a guy playing at seven called Tacklenberg, um, <laughs> you, you just know they're born to do it, right? So anyway, so as far as who's going to win the final, then well. I think the Lions take it against the Canes, um, and that means I think they host the final, don't they? Because um, didn't they? Yeah. Well, it, it'll all yeah. So the Lions play the Highlanders, so we assume they'll win, so they'll be hum- uh, number one ranked. What comes next is the Hurricanes playing the Chiefs. Actually, that's earlier that day. So the Canes finished on top of the log. So if they win, um, that game is going to be played. Uh, uh, in Wellington, oh, but mate, that, but the Hurricanes versus the Chiefs, mate. I, I, you know, I reckon the Chiefs could do that. Mm. So we've got to hope for the Chiefs win then. But yeah, exactly. I think that's what we we need to go for. Because tell you this, so the Chiefs beat the Stormers uh, over in South Africa on Saturday night, mm. have flown back to New Zealand to take on the Hurricanes, yeah. and if they win again, they didn't have to fly back to New Zealand to take on. Oh, sorry, fly back to South Africa and take on the Lions. Yeah, brilliant. No, that's what we should be all. Yeah, so there you go, Australia. We know you know how to cheer. So you got, you've got skin in the game now, Hugh. And then, exactly. And then we get to say to, to the Kiwis, you know, stuff you having the top four teams or whatever you thought you had um, came away with nothing. That would just be yeah. well. And, and to be fair, if if the Lions do win, I don't think the Kiwi teams can argue because they would have beaten Kiwi three straight Kiwi teams to do it. Oh, so be- I don't think anyone can be crying crying um, foul over that. Yeah, and they're playing. They're playing rugby reminiscent of the 2014 Waratahs to the Lions. So, um, you know, just... With and that's the, best, that's the best type of rugby for yeah, God, guys, guys, you <laughs> just... You can't steal my comparison there, guys. It's 211 Reds. It's, it's, it's more recent, Reds. I think it's, uh, it's, it's fresher in the memory. Okay, okay. Well, only because the 2014 Waratahs played very similar to the 2011 Reds. <laughs> all right. We're all very similar to the Lions, so go Lions. Cheering um, yeah, from so so we're saying lines over Chiefs. We just need the Chiefs yep. to um, put the canes away. Yeah, exactly right. Very feasible. All right, good stuff. Second question. Now this was this caused all sorts of. This has been rude for a while. So Jared Hayne, we all know Jared Hayne. Who doesn't know Jared Hayne, the NFL legend, the uh, rugby sevens legend, and uh, former rugby league player, is has had secret, not so secret discussions with the AIU, with Bill Pulver, CEO of the AIU, this week. Um, Hugh, is this something that the ARU and I guess the Waratahs should be considering signing Jared Hayne to rugby? Yeah, look, I, I think it's something they should consider. Reg, it's, it, it might be a bit, uh, you know, it, it might rankle some of the um, some of the conservative fans, some of the some of the sort of leather patch brigade. But if they can get him for the right price, then I, I think it's something they should they should certainly look into. Um, Obviously, him being ineligible for the Wallabies does, you know, limit him somewhat in terms of ARU money, and I don't think the ARU will sign him at all. But the what it does mean is that it opens up him to be able to go and do a, a season in Japan and play, you know, um, a Super Rugby season and then a Japanese season and and earn money that way. So certainly, if if the maths works out, and it may well do, then then I think it's an option that they've got to consider. He's you know, he was a bloody good league player and he's obviously got the determination to make things happen. And look, he played five minutes of sevens and he he didn't look great, but he didn't look horrible either. 
Um, yeah, look, I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be so quick to um, condemn them if they sign him. My worry is I don't think he wants to do it. Really, I mean, I, I think it, it's got all the hallmarks for me of a just having a chat to bump up your asking price with it with the other codes. Um, so look, if he wants to play rugby, good on him and let's have him. Um, but I, I really don't think he does, and I don't think he's got the determination to see it through. And I agree with Bill Pulver when he said that you know he's got to sign a two year deal because a, 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 a one year deal is just just not in anyone's best interest. So. Um, I'll have him, but if only if he's cheap and for two years. So basically, bugger all chance of that happening. Was this was this the uh, the situation whereby it was meant to be a secret meeting, and then five minutes later, the Daily Telegraph photographer turned up? So yeah. I, I tend to think it is being used as a bit of a pawn. Well, uh, no, it was the, worse uh, than that. It was worse than that. Tell me about it. It was only supposed to be the um, the manager was supposed to go to meet with Pulver, oh, really? and then Hayne and Pulver didn't wasn't even expecting him to turn up. So then Hayne turns up. So, you know, he wasn't even supposed to be there. And then, like you say, surprise, surprise, there's a photographer in the, in the car park. So, yeah, it was, yeah, stitch up, pure and simple. So you've got to say that, yeah, it's, it's not looking good for um, just how authentic this whole thing is. Because, gosh, you know, I, I think I'm right there with you. But the only way it could happen is there's so many ducks in a row that need to be harnessed. So he's not eligible for the Wallabies. He's played six minutes of sevens rugby for Fiji. So that rules him out of elig- eligibility for the for the ARU. So uh, the ARU just can't be putting money into him. What they need is the Waratahs to come up with a pretty hefty um, contract, which they probably can't, can at the moment with Kirtley Beale gone and a few guys like that. They'll probably need a bit of a third-party payment there. They're trying to negotiate the ARU at being the ones in there to try and negotiate a Japanese contract as well that'll pump it up. Um, I think they're working close with the Fiji Rugby Union. Jared Haynes met with John McKee, the coach there. And, of course, the other skin in the game, the ARU, have, I believe, Fiji are touring Australia next year. So how good would the ARU love it if the one or two tests that we play against Fiji next year happens to feature Jared Hayne as well. So uh, talk about ticket sales from a normally dead series, that would be pretty fantastic, pretty appealing from an ARU perspective. So I'm kind of with you, Hugh, on this one. I think I don't think it's going to happen. But, mm, gosh, if all those things fell down, uh, that'd be pretty exciting to see. Well, let me, let well me... he's got profile, hasn't he? I mean, that's that's an extra 5,000 people to Waratah's games. And, you know, I don't know how the economics of that works out, but... Um... The coverage and the, and, and the uh, and the crowds. I mean, that's that's not inconsiderable. But by that mass, it's just him and Izzy Falala to be keeping the Tars crowds there. So you know, about ten thousand or so. Now, look, I mean, let me just speak up for the leather arm patch brigade then here for a second. <laughs> if if Hayne had a chance of playing for the Wallabies because he hadn't done that absolutely yeah. mind-bogglingly <laughs> stupid thing with Fiji. If he if he still had a chance, and so you could say that, well, look, he seems to be a great player. You know, we get those one, but let's say we get those two seasons. You never know; he could turn into this international prospect. That's fantastic. But because he can't, then basically what you're saying is, for the Tars, he becomes this marquee player who's unproven um, in rugby union. So we just don't know that he's been able to cut it. And I mean, he didn't exactly set the world alight when he was playing sevens. I get it. It's, you know, it was very soon after and all the rest of it. But I don't think it's proven at all. And we've had plenty of other league converts who have never cut it in the same way that really, I think, in my mind, the only real major success story has been Izzy Falau. I think we've had some better ones than others. But I mean, I think really Izzy, I mean, I can think of all the other ones that you know haven't really cut it so well so he's then going to tie up a spot that could be for a marquee player because he's going to be a marquee player money so he's going to type a spot that you could have somebody who's mind-boggling who has actually cut it in 15s or and or he's going to take the spot of you know you know that player that younger player that we need to come through and build into Australian rugby and I think Bob Dwyer in his article today was talking about how for example in nines you know, to, you know um, the best nine in Australian rugby is Ar- actually Argentinian, so he can't even play um, for us. And then we've got an- another one out of the five. So two out of the five um, provinces have, you know, foreigners as the nine. So we're back into that situation. Um, and I'm not even sure what sort of position are we talking he'd play. Are we saying, is he a winger? Is he a outside centre? Or if he's an inside centre, we need to find another one. So, look... I- in a lot of ways, I think because there's just no way for him to move on to the Wallabies, it just cruels the whole concept, really, and it just turns into the waste of a marquee player for the Tars. Well, I, I don't know how a waste the marquee player for the Tars. I mean, the Tars still get all the benefit out of him. It, it just the, the, that benefit doesn't then flow to the Wallabies. That. But we don't know that. 
We just don't know. Whereas if you go buy a marquee player for similar or less money from somewhere else in the world who's actually proven... Like Zach Wolford. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, he tied down a wing for a while. It was all right. He tied down something for a it's while. All, but it, it's all economics, ultimately. Like, as I said, like, if they can, I don't want him, them to, to sell the farm to get him. Um, but, I mean, yeah, look, is there, is there that foreign marquee player floating around that we can get? I mean, it's all, you know... You get the I, I don't know. You'll find one, mate. I'm just saying. There's not, I'm just. I, if you get the checkbook out, you'll find one. I'm just saying. Uh, there's not the upside in this deal for Australian rugby that there would be if he could possibly go on to play Wallabies. Oh, I think yeah. that's without a doubt. Without a doubt. That's without, yeah, that's right. But it's not a bad second second option. I don't reckon. Right, don't leave like league lovers. You're the next up against the wall, you two. <laughs> when my next purge happens, it's <laughs> AFL first. And then it's league, and you two are right up there as a conspiracy. Uh, but, uh, yeah, watch your backs. All right, good to know. We'll just get those leather patches nice and polished up, and we'll be happy. <laughs> this, All right. this is coming from the lower North Shore, by the way, of Sydney. So. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> you got the location right. Yeah. Um, all right, the next question. Now, we've talked about Jared Hayne. Let me uh, quote this tweet we got during the week. Forget the Hain plane. This is the biggest signing of the year, and proof that Pulver listens to the Gaga podcast. Uh, Hugh Cavill, that was yours about this next signing. Mick Byrne has come on as the skills coach. Um, so I guess, put simply, is he the Messiah? Uh, Matt, what's your thoughts? I do think so. Is he the Messiah? It's um it's a, it's a funny one. I mean, I had a rant on here probably one or two podcasts ago, which is to say if you've got a guy who's spent two World Cups in the Kiwi camp and in the meantime their skill sets have outstripped the rest of us, why on earth wouldn't you at least hire him for a year or two and find out what the hell they've been up to? So I think it's a no-brainer you know, uh, hire from that perspective. So I think it's definitely the right thing to do and I think it's big thumbs up and I... I think I agree with Hugh as far as I'm far more excited about it than I would be Hayne because yep. unlike Hayne, who's completely untested and you don't know how much of an impact he can make throughout rugby, we've got the feeling that Mick Byrne can. Having said that, outside of him making an exceeding bucket loads of sense on Rugby 360, he might be the only person who has. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm not really sure. Look, I don't know just how much he personally will... will will add I, I i you know we only go by what we infer from him having spent a lot of time in the all blacks and them seeming to be much better having said that i kind of think he's he hasn't actually been with them this year has he and like the offloading not skills, this year no, no. The, the offloading skills have suddenly gone through the roof in new zealand rugby so <laughs> I, 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 he's, I don't know what that he's been me. holding it back yeah he's been trying I, to, I, to, 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 pop, to was it palm pass like afl style and now he's gone they can get back i don't know um, it is interesting. I, I, I did look through a number of articles, I think, for that conversation we had a couple of weeks ago, and one of the most glowing of him and, and really talked up the uh, the list of achievements or what he did at the, uh, the New Zealand All Blacks was by Rod Kafer, who had co- coincidentally just signed him on to uh, head up his rugby uh, consultancy organisation. So, you know, might be some cross-purposes there, but, but Hugh, it's still pretty exciting, isn't it? Oh, it's great. It's great. Um, yeah, I'm feeling the burn, I think, is, um, is the catch cry. But, um, I mean, I think there's, there's two facets to this announcement. There's two sort of components. And the first is just having him and having him at his expertise around around uh, the traps. But the second is, is the nationwide remit that he kind of mm. has, the code-wide yeah. remit. And that's huge. And that goes to what we were talking about a few weeks ago as well, which was having a, a national approach to this from the Wallabies right down to junior rugby. And and that's what they're doing, which is absolutely fantastic. And and it's great that it's Mick Byrne, but even if it was anyone, I think that, w- that would have been a positive announcement, that, that we can start to implement some consistent approaches um, to the way that we we coach skills in this country. And, uh, and I like the idea of him working with the schoolboys in the under-20s, and whether it's just one or two sessions, just having that, that presence and that ability to... to have a, a national sort of print on our game um, and standardise the skills from across the super provinces in the NRC and then in the Wallabies as well. I, I can't see how this is anything but a huge positive for the game. So so it's a, it's a really exciting, a really good announcement. 
It's it's fascinating, isn't it? So his title is national skills coach, and you, you're bang on there, Hugh. The fact that he's going to be involved with all levels of uh, rugby in Australia, including the super rugby teams. So that's really important to mention. But I'm fascinated by this McBurn guy, and I, I, I haven't heard of him before, other than you know probably a, a couple of years ago at the All Blacks. I can't remember his time with the Rod McQueen or the, the Wallabies back in those days. He's obviously a former AFL player, but his remit around, you know, not not just kicking and I guess even catching, but line-outs, passing, collision, it's just phenomenal for someone that's got this AFL background. Um, it's, it's, he's, he's obviously got some sort of great analytical mind or, you know, simple communication technique that just enables him to be, a you know, a very high-level coach because, you know, AFL... It, to be fair, guys, from a from a you know physicality point of view, and uh, even the elements around lineouts and, and tackling and so on, it's just not there. Well, mate, can I just say, like, uh, I kind of figured, like you did, that you know somehow he drifted into the All Blacks, and now he's he's kind of kicking around for Australian rugby. But I found an article on AllBlacks.com, which is usually a site that I block. Um, and um, it, just, it talks about this is dating from 14th of April 2009. It's talking about Mick Byrne joins Japanese rugby. So I think he went off and did a oh, really? um as an assistant coach uh, with John Kerwin, but I think it was sort of seen as like a sabbatical type thing because he went back to the All Blacks afterwards. But at the bottom of this, it talks about him. It says, a former AFL Aussie rules player, Mick enjoyed a 15-year career with Melbourne, Hawthorne and Sydney. He was Wallaby's kicking and catching coach when they won the Rugby World Cup in 1999 and held the same oh, role right. with the ACT Brumbies from 1998 to 2001. He worked as a consultant to the Springboks in 2001 to 2002, prior to taking, prior to taking up a job as kicking coach with Scotland in 2002. A stint with the English club Saracens preceded his appointment to the NZRU. So he's got plenty of, um, you know, rugby background there, including with the Wallabies, allegedly. So that's pretty interesting. I yeah, just okay. think that. I just think if you had your way, he'd be up against the wall, executed. <laughs> <laughs> executed. Oh, no, mate, he's well and truly retrieved himself. Come on. Um, no, he's he definitely, <laughs> definitely up for uh, dispensation there. Um, but I think... As we're talking now about sort of um, squaring up against the uh, All Blacks for Bladders, though, now is time for me to reveal something on the podcast, fellas. Um, I don't know if you spotted it in today's news, but um, we've got a new partnership going. It's with thecraftbeermarket.com.au. So it's spelt the way I said it, thecraftbeermarket.com.au. This is a website... It's run um, by some rugby lovers based out of the northern beaches here in Sydney. And what these guys do is they put to, they bring together from around Australia and from New Zealand as well the best craft beers that you can find, but you probably can't find all in one place. Um, you can order these beers online and they get uh, shipped to you um, free of charge, um, which is pretty mind-blowing. So, But the guys from the craft beer market, if you go to the website and you go to Mixed Cases, we've organised for you to get... 20 bucks off one of three mixed cases which have been put together specially uh, for the Bledisloe coming up. There's the Type 5 mixed case, um, <laughs> which uh, would normally uh, retail at $119. You get 20 bucks off that. That's got some heavy punching beers in it, so that's why it's the Type 5. You've then got the Fords, which have got some grunt. That would normally retail for 110 delivered to you for 90 Again, a full lobster off um, if you put in... GAGA20 across any of these um, on checkout. So that's G-A-G-R 20 um, on any of these on, on checkout. That's got some top beer in there. Um, I can see it's got Four Pines. It's got Endeavour. Oh, there's a whole range of different beers in there that I love myself. And then you've got the back line. So it's a little bit lighter again. 95 bucks for this case. Again, punch in GAGA20 on, on G-A-G-R 20 on uh, checkout and you can get 20 bucks off that and again it's got some great things it's got some balmain lager in there um it's you know it's got um as i said it's got four pines and a whole range epic it's got a range of great beers in there but what they've done in each of these cases is they've faced off new zealand beers with australian beers so unlike super rugby this year you get to pick the winner um, and see um, and see Australia put its best foot forward. So anyway, to check that out and to get that 20 bucks off any of those three mixed cases, go to thecraftbeermarket.com.au. Um, if you go to the mixed cases page, you can easily find the Type 5, the Fords, or the Backline. G-A-G-R on checkout, and you get 20 bucks off. And um, have a few on us. Good stuff. And, and good to see their approach to uh, a mixed beer package is the same to our rugby review, and we're 
a lot of Australia, a little bit of New Zealand are just ignoring South Africa. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, mate. There's no quality anyway, so there you go. Good stuff. All right, excellent. There's something for our fans there and, and our new to green and gold rugby. Uh, get behind that. Fantastic work there, Matt. Thanks for that. Um, let's get on to our next burning question. Now, it's still about coaching and to provincial coaching. Oh, a little bit of ARU stuff here too. So Steve Bernie Larkham finished uh, the season with the Brumbies on the weekend with a full-on dummy spit about the coaching, about the refereeing in his team's loss uh, down in Canberra on Friday night. Uh, when the Highlanders took out the game 15-19. So Steve's position next year, he's still undecided. Does he stick around to be head coach of the Brumbies for another year or so, or does he f- move full-time to the Wallaby unit as their backs coach or attack coach or whatever? No more part-time coaches for the AOU for the Wallabies. Um, so which way should he go? I guess you can look at it either from his perspective or the uh, the Wallabies' perspective or greater good of Australian rugby. Uh, Hugh, what do you reckon? Well, look, yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm going with all of the above, and I'm saying I think Bernie Larkham should probably go to the Wallabies. I, as much as I hate more unrest in the Super Rugby coaching ranks, I'm just not sure he's doing that good a job with the Brumbies. And okay, he's he's topped the conference now, um, and um, and good on him for doing so. But I'm just not sure he really extracted um, the talent out of that side uh, as as best he could. And I don't know the Brumbies' playing style was that inspiring this year, and and um, I think he's probably better off working as he did for the Wallabies um, in the World Cup and just getting the best out of that backline. Because, yeah, look, I, I'm not sure he, he's um, he's the ideal Super Rugby coach, and with the Brumbies losing a lot of that talent as we discussed a few weeks ago, I can't see it getting any easier for him in in Canberra. But um, I can see maybe he seems to work with Michael Checker pretty well, so. I think that might be where he's, he's better suited. I mean, the Wallaby backline play hasn't been inspiring either, but um, I think he, with a bit more time and energy there, he, he could probably uh, get, a, uh, get a bit more out of it. Jeez, mate, you, you take me back to my early commerce degree, my, one of my first-year subjects, and I can't remember what it was, but Peter's principle, when you, when you promote someone despite them not really deserving it and you, you find the gaps, I can't see a reason to give Steve Larkham any Wallaby position, to be honest. I, he hasn't done a job at Super Rugby level, so why should we be promoting him to the to the Wallabies? I'd make him stick around at the year for Brumbies. I, I think he's got a, he's got room to improve, and you know it's with the Brumby board to, I guess, back him and, and give him the time, and I've got no doubt they will, given how the Canberra Mafia worked down there, but I'd like to see him improve his coaching at Super Rugby level, devote a full pre-season. Remember, he had a limited pre-season with the Brumbies as well. He he wasn't around. He, you know, sacrificed his time to, to help prepare the Wallabies for the uh, for the World Cup and so on. But I think Larkham needs to stay put in Canberra and, and focus on getting that squad up and going, playing the type of rugby that he wants him to play. Improve as a coach, for, without doubt. Learn from Chica. But uh, he needs to stay at the Brumbies. And the, the A, you can pick up another skills coach or an attack coach from anywhere, um, you know, to fill that role. Let Larkin, particularly now, you know, we're going to talk about the Reds and we've talked about the force coaching positions. We can't find another super rugby coach at this time, time of year. Larkin's got to stay put and the, the Wallabies will have to find someone else. But it's funny, uh, you, you talk about the Wallaby job being a promotion. I actually think it's a demotion. I, I mean, I, I think in the past, the Wallaby assistant coaches have been you know, guys like Jim Mackay and, and these sort of blokes that, you know, Michael Foley before he coached the Waratahs and, and those sort of guys that are, that are the up-and-comers and they're the ones that haven't actually coached at Super Rugby level before. And I think that's where Larkham's better suited. I don't think he's really the the the, the, um, the leading type and the head coach type. I think he might be better as an assistant. But that doesn't, like, you know, if you now look at the model where the All Blacks, right, so their assistant coaches are guys that you would say are actually super... Uh, you know, super coaches. Um, so you know, guys like is it, uh, Smith, for example, Wayne Smith. Yep. Yeah. Um, so uh, you know, I think that's where people have sort of acknowledged you kind of need to move to, right? So you, it's not just to have all you know a couple of ball boys as assistants. Uh, you're kind of looking for sort of three big brains who are really going to kind of pile it on, and and I, and I think that's the different sort of paradigm here. And um, Reg, you can probably spot that Hugh works in the public service, so that you know anyone who's rubbish, give him a, a promotion. Is that the? Is, is that how it works? <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> 
Oh, whoa. Mr. Leather Patches here. He's getting getting right into it today. (laughs) Well, you know, Tony Abbott, you know, I couldn't get him elected, so I've I've cut cut out swimming. No, look, um, that was a bit of a low blow, perhaps. Apologies for that. Work choices by Matt Rowley. (laughs) But um, Matt Matt has got a target to isolate and and turn on every single person uh, who may even consider listening to this show. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. I think I'm doing a good job tonight. Um, Look, and so I might as well keep going with Bernie Larkham now. Uh, So (laughs) the thing that has left me scratching my head with the the Brumbies this year hasn't just necessarily been the the skills. It's been some of the... uh, I guess, sort of tactics slash strategy selections um, where they've gone against teams, especially the Kiwis teams, and just got absolutely smashed by them. Um, you know, you've seen some of those big blowouts and it's not necessarily because the guys just gave up. I think the Brumby players have always had a really strong work ethic. I just Some of the decisions around, for example, how many players to, to commit to breakdowns, what sort of defensive patterns to use, um, what sort of attacking patterns to use, like we've seen the last couple of weeks with the Brumbies have been playing like 30 yards behind the game line. I mean, it's, it's those sorts of things that you kind of think, oh, really? Um, or whole seasons where the best attacking thing they've got is the driving more with David Pocock on the back of it, which, don't get me wrong, was effective, but then we just couldn't see anything more. So there's, it's, it's those sorts of bigger decisions that, you know, you kind of think that's got to be coming from the head coach. And that's left me scratching my head and it's got me to the place where one of the saints of Australian rugby, you know, people are starting to question a little bit. So, yeah, I... It's an interesting question because right now you kind of sat there going, mm, I don't know. Having said that, look, you know, when he's been more confined to attack coach with the Wallabies, I think we have seen some, like, you know, throughout the World Cup we saw a few nice bits of play. Um, so, you know, maybe that's where he's, be- where he's better put. I'd love to see Lord Laurie back in Australia and if it meant him running, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, you know, running the Brumbies. I think he's the sort of coach, you know, take it back to a good solid forward pack and work their way out. I think he'd be perfectly placed for it. Yeah, interesting. So lots of discussion that he had there, and, and make sure you join the discussion at greenandgoldrugby.com. You talk about Lord Laurie there. Um, we're going to move on to our last burning question and talk about the red spots. So Nick Styles will be the new head coach of the Reds for 2017 on the back of one of these infamous worldwide searches. Um, Laurie Fisher apparently applied, didn't get into the final, or pulled out because he knew that the, the, the whole job was going to take too long to get appointed. But the question is, with Styles' appointment, is it just jobs for the boys or is this the rights decision? Hugh, I believe you might have something to say here. I do, Reg, but before we do, do you want to run us through the, the options that were considered but, but, but didn't win? Oh, oh, look, there was a short list of seven. I don't know broader than that. So the seven were apparently Stalsy uh, as incumbent coach, uh, along with Matt O'Connor, his co-interim head coach, uh, John O'Gibbs, uh, the former Kiwi back rower, Todd Blackadder, the current head coach, uh, and John Gibbs is off coaching in France. Uh, Todd Blackadder, the current head coach of the Crusaders. Uh, John Mulvihill, a former um, South player and did some assistant coaching at the Force of Lost Count. Oh, Stuart Lancaster, the former English coach as well. I think that's it. Yeah, look, I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of this appointment. I don't mind Nick Styles, and he's done a good job with the NRC, but my... Does the thing I think we spoke about a few weeks ago is in terms of super rugby coaches, in terms of what's succeeded in Australian rugby has been a very sort of narrow set of criteria. And it is Australian coaches that have had experience overseas, um, experience and success overseas coming back and having it uh, and, then, and then coming and inheriting a super team. It's not their first job. It's not their first rodeo. They've been around the traps and they've, and they've had a few wins and they know how to do it. Now, it seems to me Styles having his first head coaching job as the Reds, I'm not sure that that fits the bill, and I think that tends to fail more than it does succeed in Australian rugby. And, and I think Matt O'Connor certainly seems to have a bit more of a pedigree. I think Todd Blackadder's got a good pedigree with the Crusaders, having achieved some pretty good success. Um, and I think Stuart Lancaster's probably worth a look as well. And I'm not inside the room, and I don't know what pitches were made, and Maybe Nick Styles dazzled the panel, um, you know, with some incredible theories and tactics and ideas and and what have you. But I, I don't know. I I, I um I just think it's a little bit of a small target approach to to um you know in the past what what's been some what, what's been a huge decision in the course of, of of a team and and so I hope he succeeds. I really do. 
but um, I, I can't say it fills me with a huge amount of confidence. Yeah, look, uh, there's been a fair little fair bit of angst in the forum about this one, and I'm sure it'll continue on the on the site with the, when the the articles put up there as well. It's interesting because they keep doing this worldwide search. They did it last year and Richard Graham was reappointed and they've done it this year and Stalsy's got the job. And I'll declare some sort of conflict of interest. I've known Stalsy since school's days. We played a lot of rugby together um, and uh, I'd consider a good mate. So I've got some sort of uh, added conflict here. It, it is very curious. I thought they would have gone back to the same model as you suggested, Hugh, of what they did with Link and bringing in someone from outside and start again. Again, a lot of good decisions have been made recently with uh, new CEOs appointed. You know, there's new chairs there. Uh, the Dan Herbert position with Reds Rugby. Um, and so Styles is back there now, reappointed. I think it is a surprise and, and, and people aren't happy. You know, we had these seven quality coaches. Are they the quality? I, I'm not too sure about Marvel, who I guess O'Connor's done a bit more. Hedeka Meyer's the other one from South Africa, the former Springbok coach. So, you know, you do have some of that international quality there. Look, I'll back Styles. The key for him will be to get that coaching structure right. I'll be fascinated to see who he brings in as his assistant coaches because um, I'd expect there'll be a, a fair few new names there uh, across the board. Um, Brad Thorne being one of them. Mm. Matt, what about you? Give me some sort of independence there. I'm, I'm a bit tied up by all well, this. Well, yeah, mate, this is the global worldwide search that didn't make it out of the car park. Uh, yeah. You know, and they obviously didn't use our podcast sponsor, uh, sportball.com, uh, <laughs> where they would have found a bevy of coaches from around the world that they could have got hold of and a whole bunch of other players. So if you're a player uh, or a coach uh, looking for talent, get onto sportball.com and thank you, Sportball, for the for their um, for their sponsorship, but look, the person I would have thought would be pretty pissed off in all of this would be Matt O'Connor. My understanding and reading between a few lines was that, you know, before Graham got reinstated at that ridiculous time, O'Connor basically had the job um, and was there. And then they tried to do a thing of saying, "Oh, can we make Richard Graham head of coaching?" And you know, sort of you be in there. And I think he said no. And da 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 da. So all this thing went on, and then eventually, then they went through that eventual crap sacking of Graham and then sort of O'Connor slid in so which I just assumed was the plan but I guess it was the plan under a different CEO and and everything else and so I guess that got thrown out with the bathwater um I guess the other thing would be how many times can you go to the market and get guys to fly over and do all sorts of stuff and keep doing this in any recruitment market so if you were a serious coach and the next time the Reds go to the market would you bother turning up knowing that they're going to slot in somebody from the car park well, I think that's what Laurie Fisher... I think Laurie was genuinely interested, and I think at one stage we were genuinely... The Reds were genuinely interested in him. But the, by all reports, he pulled out because of the process was going to take so long. Yeah. And what are our chances of getting him back again? And there's other names there. Matt Taylor wasn't shortlisted. I would have thought Tatsy would have been interested in the role, but perhaps not for the, the reasons you say. Les Kiss, all these names you can come up with. Um, but uh, it was a, a pretty interesting final seven. You know, I, I don't think there's a lot to choose from. But, I mean, if you say, so if we go to that model of get someone who's gone overseas, done a bit different, played in a different league or whatever else. I mean, O'Connor had done that, right? So he yeah, yeah, you know, he'd yeah. coached Leinster and coached them to a victory. Um, you know, so he'd seen different modes of play. I, you just assume that, therefore, he was going to be, you know, that's why he was in that, that box chair. And so to go to somebody, so you, you'll know Nick's career path better than mine, but I don't remember him. Coach, being head coach of a serious European team somewhere? No, no, he spent his time in Japan before getting to the force and it was always his uh, assistant coach. Um, so this is his first head coaching gig at this level. Obviously done the NRC for a couple of years very successfully but this is a whole new level. Think about Connor. O'Connor, I hear that he, he grates people a bit. I think he's um, uh, a few people offside with his uh, approach to a few things. But, you know, George Smith, one of our big signings this you know, for next year, loves him, thinks he's a fantastic coach. I think Guido uh, passed on to Quaid that he had very high uh, uh, beliefs in O'Connor as well. So who who, who knows? But we'll, uh, I guess we can only wait and see. But, I mean, you know, you, I can't imagine Jake White left a huge amount of friends in Canberra. Um, no. Nah. Either, right? But he knew what he was doing. And that's the thing, you know, it's a great pub discussion, which is, you know, if you had to put your money down, if you were taking over a CEO of a super rugby franchise, or actually even better, probably a chairman, where do you put your money? Is it in the CEO? Is it in the coach? Or is it in a number 10? 
um, or or name a other star player. And, and for me, I think time and again we see it's in the coach. If you really want to turn exactly. it around, and that, yep. that's where you lay your money down. And 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 a and a great coach will pull that talent you've got. They'll also pull, pull talent in from around the world because that talent will want to play for him. Um, and you know you see great results, and we've seen it. You know. Um, you know, we saw it with Checker, we saw it with White at the Brumbies. I mean, it's just time and again. And every time we do this little, you know, shuffle around the provinces or shuffle up. And look, I, I'm not meaning to put uh, Nick down from, from that perspective. I hope he does really, really well. But, you know, he's not one of those other big choices, which I think you would want the Reds to be making. Well, who, who's, got- who is, who's the dream then? I mean, if it's not, if it's not Laurie, um, Laurie Fisher, and, you know, Gloucester have been doing well, but they haven't been winning titles, who, who's, the, who's the current checker? Who's the current link? Who's the current, you know, um, guy that's sitting in the Northern Hemisphere waiting to come home? I mean, is it, is it Matt Taylor or, or does, does this person even exist? Because, I mean, Reg is right. The shortlist isn't exactly dazzling. Well, no, no, O'Connor, it, was, it, was Matt, it was Matt O'Connor who, who you know, got Lencer to um, win the, the Pro 12. So he, but he's been sitting at the Reds. He's been sitting at the Reds for two years, and he can't. He's hardly turned them around. I mean, they've they've at this bottom of the table for two years in a row. Well, no, I mean, no, to be fair, yeah, yeah, their attack players look pretty disappointing. Yeah, but I mean, when did when did I mean, did I forget something, or was Richard Graham still the coach about halfway through this season? Yeah, yeah two games. I, I, know, I know it's true, but look, I, I don't know. I agree with you. As I said before, I don't think it's a great appointment. Mm. Um, uh, I, I just. You know, I'd love to see someone, you know, more of our good coaching prospects go overseas. But as we came back to discuss last week, we don't have a huge amount of good coaching prospects in Australia. And um, it's something we've certainly got to work on. Righto. All right. All right. Lots to debate there. And I guess it's one of those wait and sees. Um, Brings us to the end of our burning questions we need to get onto the serious stuff now, guys. This is Nude Nut 15 we're, we're building here. We've done our back line. Uh, we need a front row. Uh, I don't know if you guys have had given this much thought. I think the hook is a pretty obvious one, Matt. Um, yep, go for it, mate. Have Stephen Moore. Oh, of course. Well, let's give it to, shall we give it to our Wallaby captain? Yeah, yeah, go on. He can squeak in. Nice, nice. Um, uh, my loose head prop suggestion is Big Albert Anne. Now, Albert's a uh, bit of a hooker, but he also plays a fair bit of front row as well. So, former Red, former Brumby. It was Brumbies this year. is now leaving go play in Japan. But monster of a man, got this, you know, bikey moustache, full bald head, looks scary as, but he's one of the nicest guys in the world, Big Albie. I'm a big fan of Albies. Um, and I don't know if you guys, this, this one might be a huge cavil breaching of the rules. Um, but... Uh, Again, you guys wouldn't have seen it because you, you didn't watch the rugby on the weekend, but um, for the Hurricanes, Big Lonnie Huila, Huila, they call him the Tongan Bear or the Brown Butterbean. Now, he's got a he's got a mohawk, a Mr. T mohawk, so he's he's not a complete oh, nude nut. Oh, I him, yeah. I don't know but that he... Is that sweet? It might yeah, be a bit of both. Cl- I'm looking at a photo now, I reckon... That, that 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 qualifies, I reckon. The There's one from this weekend. You've got to have 50, 50% of the, of the scalp exposed, I think, is the rule. <laughs> and uh, I think he gets he gets over the line there. And plus, I just don't want to be the one that tells him he's not on the team anymore now that we've selected him. Because this guy's a full-on heavyweight boxer as well. Yeah, no, he was, he was a mean-looking dude. I remember seeing him on the weekend. So um, if he says he wants in, uh, you know, who, who are we to say no, I think? Yep, good stuff. Um. All right, so that's our tight. That's our front row. We need the uh, two locks and a back row, guys. So send in your suggestions to Twitter at Gagger G A G R or on the forum um, at GreenandGoldRugby.com. Guys, I just want to touch base quickly before we leave, and if you've got any final words, um, get them ready. But it's club finals, mostly around the nation. I think Western Australia still a couple of weeks ago, but Brisbane, we had them on the weekend. Brothers Rugby Club, the famous brothers, are straight through the grand final. They'll play the winner of Sunnybank versus University of Queensland this week. In Sydney, we've got Sydney Uni playing Warringah and Souths playing North, Southern Suburbs versus Northern Suburbs. The winner of those games will play the grand final uh, next weekend in Canberra. We've got the Vikings versus Queanbeyan as the major final and Gunnigan versus the Royals as the minor final. 
And then in Melbourne, I think the major is the Quins versus the Unicorns, Melbourne Unicorns, and the minor is Box Hill versus the Powerhouse. So plenty of club rugby grand finals across the country. Um, I'm looking forward to getting out to Ballymore and seeing uh, that Clarko versus University and Sunnybank. Yeah. Well, um, I'm going to give my, my leather patches on to see the Norths. Uh, north do well as well here in the lower north shore but look before we go any further guys i just think we need to um touch base with our podcast reviews on itunes oh yeah um, and i've just been oh, here we see, go. i've just been seeing if there's any new oh i forgot they've come in here oh look there's a couple actually um oh. one from jaegermeister femme she's obviously a lady with good taste um quickly <laughs> become my favorite podcast Finally, honest, amusing, and practical insight into Australian rugby. Thank you for assisting in making Sydney public transport commutes bearable. Oh, Matt Rowley, I could listen to your dulcet tones all day long. In brackets, closely followed by Pete Playford on Super Aussie Rugby, your fellow long-suffering Waratah supporter. So there we go. That's a nice review, chaps, isn't it? Yeah, from Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. You know what yeah. this is? This is this is why he's become like a dictator. He's getting these fawning reviews. <laughs> Now, all of a sudden, it's AFL players against the wall. He's talking about economic reforms. This is is how it ends. It's very Trump, is it? Make rugby great again. It's it's straight out of the Don's playbook. It is. (laughs) But then, uh, just to be brought down to earth a little bit, um, this one from H Patches. Typical GPS twits, but at least they're dedicated twits. Much improved since the boring interviews were ditched in favour of the five burning questions each week. Um, being on more Egg Chasers collaborations as well. So thanks for that, H Patches. And then, look, I, and I don't even know if I want to read this one out. This is from John T 66 um, I live my life by a simple mantra, WWMRD, what would Matt Rowley do? Matt, you're an inspiration <laughs> to us all and too beautiful a bird to be caged by GNGR. The whole world, world needs to see you fly. Ah, oh, that's a nice. <laughs> You've got to get your family off iTunes, mate. This is ridiculous. <laughs> anyway, look, um, if you're listening on Eon Radio, um, Eon Sports Radio, then uh, as Reg said, there's a whole bunch of podcasts there waiting for you. And actually, we dropped this podcast fairly early in the week. So if you can't wait till later in the week for your fix, um, you know, jack in and, um, and download. All right, good stuff, guys. Uh, Matt and Hugh, thanks for your time. Thanks, mate. Always good. Thanks. In the Thanks, words, Matt, Matt, go and fly. The world needs you. <laughs> to it, to it. <laughs> in, in the words of the great Angus Gardner. Oh yeah, that's it. Oh.